Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Q on Q. Whether you're a return listener or tuning in for the first time this week, welcome. I'm glad you have chosen to tune in to today's episode. When I was younger, I had a lot of role models. My mother, who, after my father's passing when I was 11, worked her tail off to give me everything that we needed. I wanted to be able to provide for my kids someday, too, like she did for me. Then there's my elementary school band director, Mr. Dizzuti, who to me was the image I had engraved in my head of what a teacher should be. Knowledgeable, kind, yet firm, and pushing me to be better. I wanted to be a teacher just like that someday. And I've had pastors I've studied under who I've watched week after week get in front of small groups and large groups and bring a word with little to no notes and a depth of knowledge that I someday long to have. I wanted to speak like that someday in front of people. Then there's Winnie Cooper. <laughs> yes, I'm referring to the character from the old ABC series, The Wonder Years, um, that was on when I was growing up. She was a dream girlfriend for a lot of boys my age. I thought, wow, someday I want to have a girlfriend just like that. You know, all these things put pictures in my mind. All of them gave me an image of what was supposed to be or what I thought was supposed to be. There were times that life was hard, but when isn't life hard for a teenager? We have tons of influences on our lives. You know, not just the people and the experiences I already mentioned, but our favorite actors, the latest popular bands and singers, whatever celebrities were headlining news that week and their must-haves and their new adventures. Everyone experiences literally thousands of times in their lives when they look at something or someone and think, that's how it's supposed to be. That's how I want to be. Oftentimes, They're images that leave a long-lasting impression on us of the way it is supposed to be. But just as many times, if not more, those items leave a fleeting desire to be caught up in the feeling of wow. I want you to picture it. We're in a boardroom in New York City. The room is full of TV executives, producers, writers, directors. They're doing some planning for the upcoming TV season, and they go back and forth with ideas and storylines and characters and themes, the entire goal of their session being to come up with some brand new successful blockbuster that's a sitcom or a dramatic series or something that will capture large audiences and serve to anchor viewers to their network for the whole evening. I can picture one of them in the meeting saying, so what's going to be the next big thing. Growing up, there were a lot of times I felt like whatever the next big thing was, I had to have it or be it. You know, the entire time I was growing up, it could have been the latest fashion or having a CD player. And yes, for those of you hearing this who are young enough to not remember when we didn't have CDs, um, we didn't always have them or even have my own TV in my room. You know, most of the kids when I was growing up were showered with these things and it gave me an image of what it seemed like to have the next big thing. I'd see one of my friends with the latest pair of Air Force Ones, and they looked so happy to show them off. But then a few days later, they were just another pair of shoes. I'd hear a friend talk about some new Atari game or Nintendo game they got and how awesome it was and how they binge-played it for days. And then a few days later, it was just another game, and they moved on to something else. But despite what seemed temporary, there was always that part of me that wanted to have what seemed to be that next big thing. 
Back in 2009, my family and I traveled to Walt Disney World on vacation. And back then, Hollywood Studios had an attraction called the American Idol Experience. Um, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the TV show American Idol, where young singers audition to impress judges, pull in tons of fans, and hopefully win money and a big recording contract. And while the premise of the show has its debaters, my experience that day was awesome and something I'll never forget. Once I got past the audition, I was given a slot to sing in a show against two other people, and um, the process to prepare was very detailed. You got time with a vocal coach, time in makeup, pampered with treats and snacks, and when it was my turn to sing, I stepped out on stage. I'm pretty sure there were a couple hundred people in the audience, maybe more. I think the venue held over a thousand, and I heard my name called, and I stepped out onto the stage to sing. You know, a lot of the actual performance is kind of a blur other than the pictures I remember looking at, but this is what I do remember. The sight of the bright lights, the sound of the thunderous applause, the huge backing track and vocalists performing with me, and I thought to myself, is this what it's like to be a star? Well, after the audience vote, I actually won my show and got the chance to sing in the finals and did the whole process again a few hours later in the day. And I didn't win the finals show, but I remember coming out of the venue and a little girl running up to me and asking for my autograph. Here I was, a guy from a town nobody had heard of, a thousand miles away, bending down to give a starstruck kid my name on a piece of paper. She was so excited, and I was excited to give it to her. And I remember somebody else at the show coming out and turning out to be from a town not far from ours, and they said, we sure hope we get to hear you sing again. So was this what stardom felt like? Could this 15 minutes of fame become something more? Could I do this on the real show and go on to become a mega star? Could I be the next big thing? I'll be honest and say those thoughts floated in my head for a little bit that day. What made wanting to be the next big thing so appealing? Why is it something we always seem to want, something we'll seem to do whatever it takes to get? Is it popularity? Is it grace in the public eye? Is it thinking that having the next big thing makes us somehow better or more important? Well, fast forward to today. I need to be honest with you in saying that I've had those thoughts and feelings sometimes in coming up with ideas for this podcast. I started because of a divine push that I put off for too long, and my first episode came very clearly and very quickly. And at first, I started to plan weeks and weeks ahead. As soon as ideas would come and scriptures would come and book titles and sermon ideas, but a few weeks in, I got stuck. I had all my notes ready to go, and I had just recorded the whole episode and was about to publish it, and the entire day I felt unsettled. I knew that what I recorded was not what I was supposed to put out, so I took a step back, spent time in prayer to release that unsettling feeling, and admit that I needed to be the vessel I'd been called to be. And then the words came, and the topics came, and I realized I was doing this podcast for me more than anything else, not to serve myself but to help open my eyes to the reality that too long I'd been doing things my way. The human side of me longs for thousands of weekly listeners, tons of positive comments, and seeing this podcast as one of the most downloaded things on the internet. It would be super easy to sit back and say, well, you know, it's not getting listened to a whole lot yet. Is it really worth me putting in all the effort to put this together each week? Almost like I'm looking for that weekly will to keep recording. It's still new, and the listeners are still few, though growing, 
But I've learned to lean on the fact that God has called me to do this. I felt nudged to do something like this over a year ago, and I put it off and put it off, and I'm grateful that I've still had the opportunity to do it now that I've heeded the call. And I've learned that I really need to rely on inspiration from the Holy Spirit to bring topics and scriptures just for the right time in the right place. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, man plans, God laughs. Well, in the midst of serving out what I was called to do, I got starry-eyed. I let compliments drive my ego. I let likes and streams turn into what I thought was some sort of personal validation. I had moments of wanting to be the next big thing in the earthly sense and quickly realized that God had indeed destined this to be the next big thing for me, but in a completely different sense. Let me explain. In society, we're always looking for the next big thing. Even when we don't want to admit it, we are. We're looking for that latest iPhone, the newest clothing line, cars with the latest gadgets, vacation destinations with every amenity, things that call out to us, you need me. But here's the truth about all of it. Next big things like that almost always promise more than they can deliver. Sure, they're fun for a little bit, but we soon discover that they couldn't live up to the hype. They don't give us all that they promised, popularity, excitement, fulfillment, security, happiness. The day after getting that new car and driving it around town to show everyone, nothing else has changed. The car didn't change the person we were. It just branded us in new packaging for a time being and gave us something to talk about with our friends. As somebody who teaches technology, I always talk about things that are new, things that are better, things that help us improve, things that are supposed to make life easier. The phrase, the next big thing, is how advertisers and all of the product producers behind them stay in business. That's completely by design. If anything, we're now bombarded with more big things at once than we can handle. And it doesn't help that today's new smartphone is outdated tomorrow or that today's fashion tastes change faster than the news headlines. When we hear the phrase, the next big thing, we believe it's something we need, something we need to go after, something we must obtain. But while we feel the next big thing is something that'll make us better, in reality, the job of those advertisers and producers is to make people feel I dare say, inadequate, insecure, uncertain, or needy. They make us feel like we need what they have. It's really a want. And they focus our attention on what we don't have rather than what we do. We have more brands, more gadgets, more options, more next big things than ever before. But the truth is, none of them truly satisfy us. We tie our happiness to what society defines as the next big thing, and then often leaves us knotted in frustration every time. We're always chasing something that seems to slip through our fingers, leave us elated for just moments, and then we continue to long something else and still be disappointed and needing. So when society continually tells us that the next big thing is going to fix all our problems, solve all our issues, and give us everything we need, how are we supposed to respond? Well, first, I'm not here to get into a political, financial, or business discussion or argument with you. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, and I'm not about to debate it with you. But I want to share a little about my experiences and perspective on some of these next big things in my life, in the hopes that they can help you shape your definition on it. 
When we look at how the world has defined the term the next big thing, we most often think of a physical item, something we can acquire or a person, and we try to quantify or give value and measure to what we define as big. What we often overlook is that God has promised us, and it's documented all through the scriptures, by the way, that the next big thing is always readily available to us. And to be very honest, the next big thing usually comes out of ordinary circumstances and ordinary people that God turns into extraordinary experiences and gifted leaders and teachers. It really all centers around trust and having faith, the kind of faith that God has put you in a place for a purpose, and when he calls you into something or calls you somewhere or gives you a new direction, that you're obedient to it. We all have a calling in our life. We're all called to give and serve in our calling and use the gifts and talents that have been bestowed upon us. A lot of times in the human sense, we don't truly comprehend or allow ourselves to grasp the full development of how God may shape a situation or a place or a circumstance. Let's say God calls you to serve in a very public leadership role, or like in my case, you feel he's preparing you to have a podcast to reach people all over the world. Well, reaching that result isn't immediate for everyone. On our own, we often expect that if God is taking us there, he's taking us there directly and sometimes quickly. And sometimes that does happen. But how many times are there other steps along the path, other positions, other places we must go, other things that we must be obedient in doing before we ultimately reach where we're being taken? And listen when I say I'm not referring to an end result here. There have been times when there's been growth, times where there's been decline, times of joy, times of heartache. During the good, we don't seem to question what God has called us to do. But when things get rough, we wonder if we should bother staying put in the hard places. Through it all, when we follow the path God has laid before us, he gives us everything we need. And sometimes they seem to be ordinary parts of life and we take them for granted. But they are ordained well in advance. What we shouldn't do is allow what seems like stardom or what's momentary success or popularity to cloud our true vision. In John 10.10, it says this in the Amplified Version. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Sometimes I think the things our society identifies as the next big thing will savor and cherish fame and position, and that makes it seem like material wealth is what's most important. But in that scripture, Jesus wasn't making an empty promise, and he wasn't just referring to the rewards we would get in heaven someday. When we trust him for our needs, he offers us more of an abundance than we could ever need right now. We need to know and trust and understand that we can rely on him regardless of the circumstances, the emotions we're feeling, the environment we're in, or the people we're around. With God, there's always more. And unlike what our society identifies as the next big thing, the fulfillment in knowing God and when we step out in our faith, it never disappoints. It may not be what we expect, but from my experiences, I found that what God has in store for me and for all of us is always better than anything we can strive to be or attain on our own. Every time we encounter something new in God's plan for us, some new position or new opportunity or some season of elevation, do we assume that this is the big thing 
we've been waiting for? Or do we lean into what God has given us, follow his guidance, and take that next leap of faith towards something we could never have dreamed or accomplished on our own? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says this, and this is the English Standard Version. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So how do we know what more God has in store for us? How do we grow closer to him and make sure we're following the path he has for us? How do we know when the next big thing is directly in front of us? Well, we can become more than we ever dream when we discover the limitless, unpredictable, overflowing life, when we allow that more that God has in store for us. When we give, we love, we serve, we honor, we follow, doors are opened up, paths are made straight, lives are transformed, miracles, signs, wonders take place. It's not about accumulating stuff. It's about recognizing the absence of joy, peace, and satisfaction when we rely on that stuff rather than God's richest blessings for us. And what he has for us, though it may look different season to season, is really quite constant. We're reminded of this in Hebrews 13, 8. This is the NIV version. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And most certainly, the next big thing will never appear in the way, the format, or even very likely the environment we expect it to. We might go through a hundred steps to get where God has called us, and those hundred steps were all part of his plan. But too often, we want to shrug them off or deny that it's part of the process, sort of like getting that free pass to move around the game board instead of having to wait until we take enough turns to get there. When we face obstacles, we're able to grow and learn. And at times, we feel like we're swimming upstream while others just cut through with a powerboat. But as we swim, we grow stronger. And as we make our way upstream, we discover the larger, calmer waters ahead of us. And I'm not saying there won't be rough seas again, but all that hard work, dedication, and trusting in the process leads us to that larger body of water, the next big thing. Our obedience in small things prepares us for what lies ahead. It started back when I gave my life to Christ at 17. I agreed to allow him in my life and agreed to follow whatever he called me to do. No, my circumstances didn't change overnight. I was a high school kid with the same friends and a lot of the same thoughts. And, you know, there hasn't been times I haven't strayed away and repented and returned to the path he's called me to. But even though the circumstances didn't seem to change right away, there was one big thing that did, and that's what really mattered. I realized God forgave all my sins wanted to have a personal relationship with me, and had a special purpose for my life. In the past 27 years since I gave my life to Christ, God has taken me through many seasons, many events, many opportunities that still boggle my mind. And I know that what he has in store for me in the future, if I'll let it, will always be the next big thing. His path for us doesn't reach a dead end. It doesn't even reach an end point. He always has more for me. And just like the societal phenomenon of the next big thing, God always has more in store for us. But there's one big difference. With the world's definition, we often settle for emptiness after chasing something that truly can never satisfy us. But we have the opportunity to experience the fullness of God in every area of our life when we allow him to lead us into the next big thing he has in store for us.
Well, that's our show for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting this adventure and for listening along. Next week is the week before Easter, and we'll be taking a look at the event that changed history. I really do appreciate you taking time to tune in. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you back here next time when we'll have more for you on cue.